Howdy, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to Unsafe Space. You're watching Kofefi Break. I'm Carter and this lovely woman to my side, which... Hello. Oh, it's not... It is freezing, Carrie. Damn it. It totally froze. Damn it. Let me turn the... Oh, wait, wait, wait. We're back. The, comp the color wheel of death just went away. Okay. Hey, everyone, are we here? Uh, it says, this is torture... I'm about to cancel your geek card. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get that. Uh, I think we're back. Uh, the one day I can show up, you're killing me, Smalls. No, I think we're back. I think we're actually back. What a great way to start. Uh, Nanya Biz just gave us $15 for a new computer <laughs> fund. Good, because I bought a new computer yesterday, and I need to <laughs> pay for it now. Oh, um, I think we're back. I think we are back. Yeah, I'm just going to double check that we're back. That was the So, you might hear a low noise in the background. That is literally a table fan uh blowing on the motherboard. <laughs> so, uh sorry for the background noise, but it's better to have a stream with background noise than no stream at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> there we go. Uh nice. Yeah, hi. Welcome to Friday Cafefi. Uh these tech problems will not last. I'm going to I'm going to explain the tech problems in a minute, but before we do, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm with Carrie. I was introducing Carrie when we froze. I don't even know if I got to say Carrie, but everyone knows who Carrie is. Hello. Um, and uh, what else? If you want to support us, cuz sometimes, you know, we need to buy <laughs> stuff, uh, you can go to Subscribestar. You can go to unsafespace.com/donate and give us Bitcoin, although Bitcoin's very high right now, so you might be hesitant. But still, um, what do we have? We have book club on Sunday, <clears throat> so that should be fun. The moon is a harsh mistress. I've, I'm only a few Sunday. chapters in, but... And I'll by finish. the way, we're not using Skype on Sunday. We're using Zoom, so we do not anticipate these problems. Also, Carter has ordered a new computer. Yes. Yeah, I have. So I, I know that this is a little bit uh, of a side thing, but I feel the need to do this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Uh, I get the crap that I'm getting. Like, you're busting my balls for, for being a boomer, and I deserve it. I get it. I'm not. But I just to clarify, I am a tech guy. I'm not a boomer. My problem is I'm a little bit cheap. I'm a little too parsimonious. So when we started this show, I didn't buy any new computer equipment. I had an old Mac from 2012 that I added some RAM to and upgraded a little bit, and that's what we've been running on. And... Uh, <laughs> I think it's seen it's it's at the end of its life, and for and those Carter of you who had a little rainy day fund I that he was trying to save some money, but now we're gonna spend that rainy day fund and get a computer. Yeah, I spent the rainy day fund yesterday. The computer parts okay. will arrive by Wednesday next week. I know what I'm gonna do over the holidays, which will be put it together. And yes, for those of you who hate Macs, we are switching to PCs. Uh, I was never a Mac guy. I was a PC guy forever. I get the I get the hatred of Macs, but I was running an engineering team a few years ago, and I was literally the only person who was not on the Mac. All, we were doing web development. Macs are actually great for web development because they're they have Linux built in, uh, and so everyone was yelling at me, "Why are you on a PC still?" I switched to Mac then, but it looks like I'm switching back because <laughs> we're going PC starting. Uh, starting next week. So thank you guys for 
dealing with the uh, tech issues. Tech issues. Yes. And if you tuned in yesterday to see our live stream with Gary from Neurotic, he was so patient during these tech problems, and he couldn't have been kinder about it. And he is going to reschedule yes. with us. And I, you guys were so forgiving, so I appreciate that. We are going to get that rescheduled <laughs> for the new year, and we'll have a new computer, and that'll be exciting. It was so much fun talking to him. I was like, oh, man. It yeah. He's going offline. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I, I had the Mac sitting around from another company, and we were using it for because uh, we were using Final Cut. Like, there was there were reasons why we had a Mac sitting around. But, you know, I'm cheap, so I didn't buy anything new. But I am now. Yeah. So don't worry. Don't worry. Um, let's just do a few Super Chats and get them out of the way because there's some yeah. Super Chats helping with Computer Fund already. Yeah. So <laughs> Roger Haynes, thank you. He says, Carter, how's your computer doing? I think we found out how the computer was doing. Uh, yeah. I really thought I could get away with the fan on low, but apparently that was not sufficient. Maybe I should take, maybe the weekend I'll put some more heat sink on. Maybe there's a, I don't know. Uh, okay. All right. Let's see. Let me scroll. There's a few more computer contributions. Uh, Nunya Biz. Thank you, Nunya. Nunya Business says, uh, gives us 15 bucks and says for a new computer fund. <laughs> Thank you, Nunya Biz. Uh, it's embarrassing. Especially because yeah. I have a tech background. It's, it's, I, I get it. You uh, should, it's I, okay. Bust my balls. I see the next one, I think. LP, sure. 15 bucks. Yes. Thank you, sir. Says, new computer fun. Let's get it. <laughs> Thank you, LP. <laughs> Roger Haynes, also 15 bucks. I will also contribute to the new computer fun. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, Brian <laughs> gives us a little hippo emoji and, and says, it says, one up. Thank you, Brian. And then uh, you, Brian. two sisters and some yarn. Oh, hi, lady. She says, to replenish the rainy day fund, rarely get to see you guys live. Love you. Love y'all. Thank you. Southern. Love y'all. I love y'all. Oops. I put I put your... Oh, your and Azur, this is not a super chat, but Azur says, don't think we haven't forgotten about you swearing. I don't think you know this, Carter, but after the last, the final time that you froze up, and it was just me and Gary still talking. And then I realized you were gone. And I thought we weren't live anymore. And I said, oh, and I cursed <laughs> live, which I try not to do on air so we don't get demonetized. Everybody heard it. And then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's you have to be careful because one of those times when I froze. So most of the times when I, we froze yesterday, the computer just totally powered off, in which case you guys were not live. But one of the times that just the color wheel of death came on and I couldn't do anything, but apparently in the background, it was still pumping video out to YouTube from you guys. So you guys were chatting. We were chat <laughs> yeah. We were talking about Doctor Who. <laughs> we were talking. Yeah. Fortunately, we weren't talking about anything embarrassing. Uh, just a couple more Murder Nits. Thank you, Murder Nits. You have an excellent store name. Uh, Murder Nits says, money for the swear jar from yesterday. <laughs> Thank you. And Jordy Bushner, Bushnay, says, I heard something Buckner. about... Buckner. I'd like to say Bushnay. Okay. Says, I heard something about a melting computer. Here is some to add to the fun. Thank you. <laughs> we, are, we appreciate it. We're going to get through this. Um, we are doing... We, we, it's, it's a crazy time to have tech problems because... We have a lot of interviews scheduled, and I'm really yes. excited. We're we're gonna still do them. We're like I said, we had to move Gary. Um, we're moving a couple, but we have some that we're pre-recording, 
uh, that so we can put out during Christmas week. And you guys, I don't want to oversell it, but can I just say one thing we're doing that I'm excited about? Oh, yeah, gonna, yeah, you should say that. We're going to talk to a real beard Santa. It's just <laughs> going to be a completely frivolous episode. I just, I'm obsessed with weird, real beard Santas. I've met a few of them. Um, one, one year uh, for a friend's birthday party, we went to Sonoma and we took a, we found a wine tour on Yelp and it was by this real beard Santa who takes you to wineries in his Santa mobile. (laughs) (laughs) And he looks like Santa even, I think we were there during the summer, but you know, kids would come up to him and stuff while you're out with him. Like, Hey Santa, they would talk to him and stuff. And he wasn't dressed like Santa. He just looks like him. And anyway, we found, we're going to talk to a real beard Santa and just learn what it's like to be a real beard Santa and what are the requirements and that'll be fun. A beard and a belly, I imagine. Are the two we'll go over our, our Christmas list. A beard and a belly, a real beard. I think they have special rings they wear and stuff. That'll oh, be really? Okay. Yeah. And uh, then, also, uh, by the way, we talked to Peter Schiff yesterday. The computer did work yes. for that. It just wasn't live, so that's going to come out. Um, and I don't think Carrie's eyes glazed over. It was short, but still, I don't think short. her eyes glazed over. It was about the economy. It was very interesting. <laughs> We're going to be talking to Hotep Jesus soon, which would be mm-hmm. fun. Yes. And uh, I just heard back from, if you guys don't follow this guy on Twitter, Ed Lattimore, he's a boxer. I really like his posts. He's he's just got a very positive but no-nonsense perspective. And he'll tell you, it's like it's like that kind of friend who tells you the truth when you need it, and but, but is also very inspiring. And I, I, I'm excited to talk to him about fitness and we'll be talking about New Year's resolutions and stuff. Cool. So. Yeah, no, that should be good. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. I got my work cut out for me, though. I got to slap that computer together as fast as possible. Uh, speaking of that, let's do a few more Super Chats. Uh, Skip Spect uh, gives us 20 bucks and says, lurked long enough. Well, welcome, lurker. Uh, Hi, Skip. Thank you. Th- welcome out of the shadows. Out of the shadows. Thank you. <clears throat> Nancy uh, Von Zagern. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but thank you, Nancy. She gives us five bucks and for the computer fund she says we need you uh we do need we do need the computer fund thank you rebecca p gives us five bucks and says new computer fund keep unsafe space free from pc politically correct commentary though (laughs) good point all be we'll always be free of that kind of pc um jeremy jeremy says here's some cabbage for the new spark box (laughs) Uh, that is awesome you've you've adopted carrie's lingo in a very adept way. Jeremy, you're chic. <laughs> Pyrotomsky gives us uh, five pounds because he's more sophisticated. Uh, <laughs> so he gives us pounds. Uh, but put some extra mice on the wheel, he says. So look, um, look, I like that. That's a great. We all adopt that expression, too. It is a good one. Um, by the way, someone asked about our iTunes. I don't know what's going on with iTunes. Uh all of our episodes are in audio format. They are on uh, iTunes. You can listen on your iPhone just fine. You can open up your iTunes app on your computer, but you can't listen past a certain episode. Like, they, they show up, but they don't play. But if you copy the link and paste it into a browser, it does play. Uh, so I don't know what's going on, and I haven't figured out the answer to that someone was asking me about it so uh that's the status right now uh if you're listening on a device i suggest just use the the little 
uh, podcast app. And if you're on iTunes, just copy the link and paste it into a browser. All right. Sun King says, some mint for the big guy to get a new wrong think transmitter. That's my fan in the background you hear. Hold on. Oh, God. <laughs> Car tires and chicken wire, Carrie. That's how we're going to build our empire. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just thanks. smacked it. I'll smack it next time it does thanks anything. Thanks for the cabbage. Here we go. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Today's going to be a spectacular episode. <laughs> I'm surprised it's still going. I'm surprised we're having an episode at all. Should we cover some kind of topics while we have yeah, hey, the stream I have going? Yeah, hey, I serious topics, but before we do, I have some positive stuff. Remember okay. when we had that comment from a fan who said, I really want to talk about more positive things, like we always, just yeah. in general, not just on, on Safe Space, but in general in life, there are all these there are a lot of negative things that have been happening this year and we've covered a lot of those. Uh, but there's also, you need, we need to take time. And Carter and I really like that comment. Cause yeah, we need to take time hmm. to focus on the positive, especially in a year full of trials. So then we did that Thanksgiving day episode of what we're grateful for. And I know that it's, we've still got a half a month to go, but I was going to spring this on you today to start. Uh -oh. Um, Yeah. <laughs> No, no, this will be good. Uh, Knowing the mood so, I'm in after the computer troubles, you're going to spring on some be grateful stuff. Go ahead. Positivity. <laughs> this is not, it's related to be grateful, but it's not be grateful. Okay. So last year for New Year's, for, well, this year, for 2020, I did a New Year's Day sunrise hike, which I had never done before. Hmm. And apparently this is a big tradition in Korea. My, my boyfriend used to live there and everyone goes, gets up. They do, they like camp out at the peaks of mountains before the dawn. And then they, they even have big sunrise, New Year's Day sunrise festivals at the top of all these different mountains. Like you, there's so many, you can pick which festival you're going to. Cool. And everybody kind of greets the new year together with the sun rising. I think I thought, that's a cool tradition. What a cool tradition, it's right? It's way better I've than never... getting sloshed and sleeping until noon and <laughs> being hung over, which is, I think, the American. The American way? <laughs> tradition. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had never heard of that before, so uh, I did that this year, and it was really just beautiful. That's not having to wake up so early, but <laughs> I got up at 5 a.m. We went, found a hike in advance, prepared, decided where we were going, whatever. Hiked, saw the sunrise. It was gorgeous. It was a great way to start the new year. So was, I'm definitely doing that again this year. And if anyone wants to join me, you have time to find a hike near you, find a mountain, find whatever and plan it and it's so great not waking up hungover that day and uh anyway that's something positive and the other positive thing is that i really like this tradition of have you ever heard of this one this is this i think is i'm not sure where this has roots but this is one i had heard of and i've done before where you make a list in advance and you you basically it's the idea of uh whatever you spend your time doing on new year's day you're going to spend a lot of time doing the rest of the year. It's this sort of, uh, oh, I haven't know. heard that one. So you want to make a list of the things that you want to be doing for the rest of the year. And then on new year's day, you spend your day doing those things and not doing any of the things that you don't want to spend a lot of time doing the rest of the year. Um, and it's almost like a superstition thing, but so you can take that and use it 
as a ritual, as a, to get rid of any, like to think about like throwing away whatever bad habits you don't want to carry over into the new year and maybe trying out something new that you do want to do more. And because it's got that added thing of like a ritual, it's for New Year's Day. It, I think it is, is something that could help you, at least with me, helped inspire me to continue doing some of those things. So anyway, yeah. uh, my list this year was um, uh, dancing, uh, cooking something, uh, playing a game of chess, uh, learning one new thing, teaching someone one new thing, kissing, uh, <laughs> just laughing. generally kissing, kissing whatever, yeah. whomever. Okay. <laughs> laughing and uh, writing, reading, doing a podcast. We did a podcast. And I would say, and all of those things on my list I hit except the dancing, although I did try to squeeze it in at the grocery store at the end of the night because I realized we didn't go dancing. Um, but all those things I hit, and I've been pretty good about doing them throughout the year. I could, wow. do, I could stand to do more writing. Um, but... I, I was thinking about what's going to be on my list for this coming year. It's probably going to be a lot of those same things. Plus, I'm going to add more. I feel like I'm leveling up. So this okay. year, I'm going to add some more fitness stuff. I didn't have a lot of I didn't have fitness stuff on there last year. So I'm probably going to add yoga and some kind of cardio and weightlifting for that day and uh, uh, prayer. I didn't have that on my list last year. Prayer. And if I can find a church that's open, I'm going to go to a church that day. I'm going to have a busy New Year's Day, basically, but busy full of fun things that I want to do throughout the year. So I know Good. I'm springing it on you, but if you were to write a list like this, what would you what would it be? spend? What would be on your list? What would be some of the things on your list? Well, uh, I would say I don't work out as regularly as I like. I go through fits and spurts where I'm really good for a few weeks and then like slack off for a week or two and then I'm really good again. Like that's, I would rather be more consistent working out. So I'd probably throw that on the list. Um, what else would I throw on the list? That's a good question. Uh, I would probably throw writing on the list. Uh, I just, I don't have, I feel like I don't have time, but I do love to write. Mm -hmm. And uh, I much prefer writing to speaking. Actually, if I could, if people were reading, this wouldn't this wouldn't be a podcast. I would just be writing <laughs> stuff. But, uh, yeah, um, I'd probably do that. Well, that's a limiting belief. You need to get rid of. It doesn't matter if people read or not. You need that's to true. write if that's what you want to do. It is a limiting so, belief. I agree with you. Uh, let's see. What else would I put on that list? I'd probably go shooting because I don't go shooting enough, uh, and I really like doing that. Um, I was in a habit for a while. I guess I'm still semi in this habit where I would get up in the morning and first do some train like dry fire practice in the morning and then work out uh, and then actually jump in the pool, uh, which I did this morning. It's kind of cold. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like almost freezing. So I can last a little bit less than two minutes in the pool and then you know, my head starts to hurt. It's so cold. Uh, but yeah, that's good for your heart though. Right. Yeah. It wakes me up. So let's see, what else would I add? I'd probably figure out some family stuff to add. Um, but I'm not sure what that would be exactly. 
it would probably be doing something with my daughter that's like a shared interest. Like she, like I'd probably take her shooting. She likes to shoot. We, we don't do okay. that as much, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and probably something with my wife. Although I'm not sure what that would be either. She's a workaholic, kind of like I am. So. Uh, so something relaxing with your wife. Yeah, we need to. Yeah, we both need to do that. We're, we're the kind of family that has monthly meetings about goals. <laughs> so. Of course you but are. It's, but I love they that. Slacked off. Well, wait, it's because of her. She's been gone and she's coming back on Monday, but uh, she's been gone for three months. And I was just talking to my daughter and we were like, yeah, we kind of didn't have any meetings. <laughs> we kind of like, didn't do that. <laughs> she's more of the operator than I am. But uh, yeah, whatever. No, I think that's a, I mean, I think it's a great idea. I'd have to think a little bit harder about what the things are we generally do at the end of the year sit down and figure out goals for the following year and that kind of stuff and you know review there's always failures there's always things that you wanted to do that you didn't do and figure out kind of why and um, yeah so uh yeah i think i would also add to mine so one one of the things on my list last year was no alcohol and as you know i have my i'm a little over a year uh sober now I'm going to add no smoking to my list. This is a confession to people who watch the show. I have started, well, I'm not doing, I have, I have, I picked up smoking. Not immediately after I quit drinking, but I started doing it casually a few months after. And then it became just like, okay, for some people, I'm sure it could be like with alcohol, it may not be a problem for them. It's a problem for me. And so I have been uh, struggling for the past few weeks to, like, stamp that out. And it's a good thing to have that on my list because it's just a, a recommitment to not do that anymore. So yeah, put that on my list. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I yeah. mean. Yeah. Often when you a, get rid of one habit, some other habit creeps in, right? It, so. it crept in and it crept in slowly. And I think I've talked about it on the show before. I used to smoke years ago. I quit 15 years ago. So to start engaging in that bad habit again, it was not just good. not a good idea. And yeah. just like with anything, I don't, I don't do a lot casually. <laughs> it, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's going, that's going to the, uh, onto the list. So, Someone in chat said, uh, go carnivore 2021. Totally. Uh, I, I gotta have Sean Baker on the show. He did say yes, but then we never schedule anything. So we'll try and get Sean Baker on the show. But, uh, I did spend most of this year in at least pseudo carnivore. There were like, you know, a couple months where I would do like full on carnivore and then I would drop out. Like right now I'm in semi carnivore. I'll drink like yerba mates and stuff once in a while. And like, I'm not totally carnivore, but I'll tell you what so much more energy i feel so much better on when i'm like doing carnivore so uh totally recommend that for anyone interested in carnivore i i'll uh, yeah. underscore that suggestion i forget i don't remember who i think uh i think murder knits suggested it actually in chat well uh <laughs> somebody says oh no carrie smokes i'm gonna have to reevaluate reevaluate my crush uh that well hey i don't anymore and i'm not going to <laughs> Uh, uh, all let's right, let's see. do a last few super chats and then let's move. Let's oh, wait, move on. this is not a super chat, but one oh, other okay. one. Somebody says, take up knitting. Who said that? Oh, Becky BS says, take, learn to knit. It will help you quit. That's actually on my list. Make something. 
I think it, I'm going to make something on New Year's Day. Okay. And maybe I'll make something with knitting. Okay. Yeah, let's do Super Chats. You're going to knit something. All right. Uh, Roger Haynes gives us five bucks and says, maybe YouTube didn't like your interviewing Gary and gave the stream the bum's rush. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, <laughs> but I can't, I'd love to blame YouTube, and I'm sure they would. But I, in fairness, uh, this was my fault. <laughs> Slash Apple's planned obsolescence. Um, Keith the Hat Guy gives us five bucks and says to help fund a bigger fan for the Mac. <laughs> I know. I you know I, I'm gonna I will add some more heat sink because maybe that's what's happening. Um, Hermit Thrush says, "What are your favorite comedies other than contemporary social politics?" <laughs> What, who are the biggest influences on each of your senses of humor? Wow, that's a question I'd have to think about. What Carrie? a great positive question. Uh, well, top of my head, I love uh, uh, Bringing Up Baby. I love that one as well. You, you like that one. That. Yeah. That's an old movie. I love What's Up, Doc. Even though I'm not a huge fan of Barbara Streisand, in movies, but I really like that movie. It's very similar to Bringing Up Baby. And uh, what else? Well, silly stuff like Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. That's just always funny. And uh, I like the I like the 80s and 90s stuff, like Overboard with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. That's one of my favorite comedies. Uh, you haven't either. seen that? Oh, no. gosh, that's great. What about Bob, Bill Murray? Yeah, you had me see that one. You made me watch that. And that you liked good. that one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good old funny movies. Um, oh, Coming to America, Eddie Murphy. That's pretty good. Yeah. And The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy. I don't think <laughs> I saw like, that one. I, 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 I got the knife. I want the knife. Do you remember that? Or you haven't seen it. So. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, someone just said My Cousin Vinny. Abso-fucking-lutely. Yes, that was a swear, but that was a nod to My Cousin Vinny, so... I, I was allowed to swear for that one. You don't have to tip jar it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do like my cousin Vinny. Yeah. I don't know. What about... Um, so I like bringing up Baby and uh, I'm trying to think. One of my favorites is actually Dr. Strangelove. I love that one. And I love mm. the Holy Grail. I would say for oh, like, I movies. Oh, I love the Holy Grail. Those were the big influence movies that I would I would say like I saw those and was like, yeah. And, and actually, I mean, my cousin Vinny also was great. Um but I would say comedically, I'm not funny, but I mean, my sentence, like in terms of what I like, sense of humor wise, PJ O'Rourke, who's a writer, uh, mm. he had a huge impact on me, both politically and from a like, comedy perspective. I was in, I remember in, I was in high school, and on the shelf in the library, they had a book called Parliament of Whores. And I was, and I was shocked, you know. I was shocked that they had this book in high school and it had the word whores in the title. Uh, so I opened it up. I'm like, what the hell is this thing? I opened it up and one of the chapter titles was what the fuck does the government do all day and why does it cost so goddamn much money? And I was like, oh, this is kind of <laughs> funny and interesting. So it's right I, up your alley. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it wasn't. I hadn't really thought much about politics, but PJ totally made it... Uh, funny and fun and interesting and kind of got me thinking about politics uh, and I just love his writing style so uh, yeah 
I'm trying to think uh, if there's somebody anything else. Somebody in the... Dion in the chat says, the jerk. Yes. Oh, yeah. Someone the says airplane. And to secret and midnight run. I would say rather than airplane, although I did like airplane, the old police squad uh, oh, television yeah. series, which predated airplane. Hands down. Uh, one of the best. And I did really like Midnight, Midnight Run as well. <sighs> that was oh, a great, well. fun question. Thank you. Yeah. I like okay. it for all of it. Okay. Okay. Rebecca Pirate Queen says, uh, she gives us five bucks and says, Swear Fund loved Nerdrotic's comment about preferred pronouns in the 31st century. <laughs> so, of the three minutes of actual content, something something good came out of <laughs> that. Good. That non-interview. Uh, Mike Drop uh, is giving us money for a new fan. He says, for the new fan, love you guys. Thank you, Mike Drop. Uh, sir. Hermit Thrush says, Carter, your tea is boiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Hermit. <laughs> oh, I see the next one. Uh, this is another. Uh, Skip. Oh, this is Skip's first time today. Yeah. Gave us... Uh, Five bucks and says, I work at a half a billion dollar power plant and we use the same technique to quiet our cooling fans. <laughs> LOL. You kick it. I am advanced. Fan. <laughs> <laughs> I think they use the same techniques at Chernobyl. I don't know how that worked out. Uh, <laughs> That's really funny. Thank right. you guys. I, are we done with Super Chats? Should we move on no, to wait. real stuff? Oh. No, Hermit Thrush says, gives a super chat and says, so you're going to take up knitting and knitting and knitting and knitting and knitting. Yes, I am. You're doubling down on the knitting, aren't you, Carrie? I'm doubling down. Actually, my housemate is taking up knitting. Her sister knits, and she came over yesterday and was teaching her. Uh, Based Beard, 1776. Hello, Based Beard. Based Beard says, I don't have much much cabbage, but I'll keep sending memes to you on Twitter. <laughs> First time ever watching live and joining chat. Carrie, get addictive to be addicted to being creative. I love that. Thank you. And yes, you. Based yep. Beard made a bunch of memes for us that we're going to start putting out. And uh, they are really funny. He took some of the stuff from the closing credits and put them in meme form. So, oh, yeah. He took some, uh, some, some GLaDOS lines and threw them in meme yes. form. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> they're funny very creative guy okay Whew. all right well we did, we did i'm a little bit nervous stuff. to try to do anything but <clears throat> we'll try let's try i first just want to address something that uh you know cathedral you wonder why people don't trust you <laughs> here is why people don't trust you did you see this thing yesterday, Carrie? No. I think it was yesterday. It's Wednesday. <clears throat> so during a COVID-19 vaccine at a press conference, this is in El Paso. Uh, here You can see the, the thing here. Watch. Now, if you look at the plunger. It was already down. Then he, like, pulls it out a little bit, which is dangerous, and pretends to stick it in. And, okay, it's done. Uh, so one of the nurses, this nurse here, was not actually vaccinated. The guy stuck the, the needle in him, but the plunger was already down. There was nothing in it. <laughs> and said, and like pretended to vaccinate, and then just moved on to the next person. And I guess we're not supposed to ask any questions. 
so about it at show? all. Well, later they were like, oops, it was a mistake, and blah, blah, blah. And I, here's the thing that I don't understand. I would fire someone who did that. If you pick up a syringe and don't notice that the plunger's already down and stick it in someone and then flub around and pretend, you get fired. That's how diseases happen. That's how, I mean, what if it had been filled with air and they put the plunger down? Like, that's not, that's bad medical practice. And I know nothing about medicine, but I know enough to not do that. Um, So I don't know. I mean, the other people appeared to get real vaccines and they said they corrected it later and made sure the nurse was vaccinated. But I guess, uh, I guess the the whole thing that I find interesting about this is <laughs> I I sometimes wonder <laughs> the the cathedral is sometimes just so they they lack so much self awareness. They're like, why don't people trust us? <laughs> and then they do this kind of stuff. And it's like, what, what do you mean? Why don't we trust you? Look what you do. Did Duh. you see? In fact, in fact, did you see the New York Times? They had that uh, audio pod, unrelated, but but related. They had that un, uh, that podcast called Caliphate. It won a Peabody Award. Um, it was nominated for a Pulitzer uh, Prize. It was a finalist for a Pulitzer. And it turns out, like, their main person in it, who was this, like, alleged ISIS person, just made it up. Just, it was just all made up. Just fabricated. And they're like, oops, we didn't fact check. We usually the, do, though. Sorry. Did they take the award back? Uh, no, but but the New York Times did admit, oops, we made a mistake. My bad. There was a My Bad article about it. Uh, <laughs> they haven't re... I mean, I think Walter Durante still had... His Pulitzer still exists, right? He never... His Pulitzer was never revoked. Um, do you know... So. Uh, I've been watching... I watched a couple of episodes recently of this show called Manhunt. I've never seen it before. And season two, I don't know what season one was about, but season two is about the, uh, well, it's about, uh, what was his name? Rudolph, the the bomber in 1996, 97, Eric Rudolph, who bombed the Olympics in Atlanta and a couple of abortion clinics and a gay nightclub. And, but, it starts off what it's also about Richard Jewell. And I don't know if you remember Richard Jewell, Mm -mm. but he was the security guard in Atlanta who discovered the bomb at the Olympics and saved the lives of hundreds of people and was lauded as a hero for a couple of days before the FBI decided to, to uh, pin it on him essentially and leaked to the press that he was the bomber and the press destroyed him, trial by media, destroyed his reputation um, through he this wasn't? hero. He wasn't the bomber. It was Eric Rudolph. But the FBI had him under this cloud of suspicion, and they worked with the media. And so this is a dramatization of that. But I went back and I looked at, at a lot of the facts because of I, I was watching the – I watched like the first three episodes or something. And I wanted to see – because I remembered Richard Jewell's name, and I couldn't remember what had happened to him. And so I'm looking it up now, and I'm watching the show, and it's like, yeah, once again, you've got the deep state, or in this case, the FBI, working in collusion with the cathedral, the legacy media, to ruin this innocent guy. Ruin him. And not just an innocent guy, but a guy who was a hero who – you know, 
right. who, because he was, because he took his job seriously, because he was, as they called him, an overzealous, an overzealous security guard, he did the right thing when he saw this abandoned backpack and he called in the ATF and, right. and who knows how many people, there were hundreds of people injured and I think one or two died. Um, but there could have been hundreds of people who died and yeah. they drug this guy through the mud and they, they wanted to be able to open the Olympics back up. So we caught the guy, you know, Oh, they needed the story. Saved, and he was the easiest. Yeah. I see. And he was an easy guy to pin it on and they kept him under a cloud of suspicion for like 88 days. Which, by the way, puts a lot of other people's lives at risk because they didn't catch the guy. So the guy was still out there, and they just wanted to open up. Right. Right. They didn't catch the actual guy for, like, another year after he'd bombed some abortion clinics in a gay nightclub. And they also... um, What was I going to say about this guy? Oh, he ended up dying very early death. He died at, like, 44 or something. And who knows if how much the stress of all of that impacted him, but sure. I'm sure it wasn't help, healthy for him oh, to be sequestered in his house with media camped outside and everyone thinking that he's this bomber because the FBI decided to convict him in the, in the media. Uh, anyway, I'm just watching this with fresh eyes now, knowing what I know about the the media and how they collude with deep state and it just sort of I don't know the actor in it is very good and there's this really there's one scene that made me cry oh they brought him in get this because they they correctly assessed that he's the type of guy who really looked up to and admired law enforcement and when they first put him on the cameras as a hero in the show they show him doing an interview that that aired on CNN and he's not cut out for media attention, you know, in the, in the dramatization, he's like sweating bullets and he's nervous. And, but, and he's also very humble. He's like, I'm not the real hero. The cops are the real hero. The cops who listen to me whatever. And then he says, you know, I'm looking for a job at a precinct. Like if you basically, he wants to become a cop. And I don't, I think people aren't used to seeing a real honest, good guy like this guy who's actually humble. If you're not humble and you see that in someone else, and if you're the kind of person who fakes being humble, then of course you're going to think he's faking that, right? I don't trust him. Right. He must have set the bomb, right? Right. Because who would, would be who would be it. that who would be that humble? Yeah, because you would be faking it. And um, and so they they go after him shortly after that interview. But um, uh, oh, I'm lo- I'm losing. Why am I spacing today? Uh, anyway, who knows? They, the fan oh, noise. Oh, so, Blame the fan. Okay, so so he wasn't. So so this is what the FBI did to him. They correctly assessed that he was the kind of guy who wanted to work in law enforcement and looked up to law enforcement. Instead of telling him that they were questioning him as a suspect, they brought him in under the false pretense of, hey, we want to get your advice as a colleague. Uh, on, 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 and they have him and they have the scene where he's sitting there and they're asking him, um, you know, that we're going to record this for training purposes. You know, maybe you can help us figure out who the bomber is. So if you, what do you think the bomber, if you were the bomber, what's the bomber thinking right now? And he's like, well, I guess the bomber, uh, I'd be thinking, you know, they're getting him to voice this stuff as if he's the bomber. And they, and I looked this up to see how much of this was factual. They actually, instead of reading him his Miranda rights, they said, um, if this were real, let's, if you were a suspect, we would read you these rights. Now we're going to read them on camera for a training exercise and we're going to have you sign this waiver. Yeah. 
Yes. And there's one part during that scene where he starts to realize he asks them, he asks them, oh my gosh, bless his heart. This actor's really good. He's like, is this a real, he starts to figure it out. He's like, is this a real interview? And they're like, no, come on, Richard. No. We're just trying to get advice from you. We'll give you a letter of recommendation from the FBI for those police jobs you want. If you help us with this training exercise. And he starts to cry and he's like, could you, do you think I could do this to people? And I'm like, oh my gosh, tugged at my heartstrings. This, this is what I mean about like, uh, pe- people, we need to get better at telling these kinds of stories with emotion. Take, take these real events of what happened this was a great dramatization. And apparently there is a movie about it that Clint Eastwood made called Richard Jewell. I've never seen it, but I want to see it now. Huh. But, how many FBI people? So, yes, the media is horrible. But how many FBI people were fired and prosecuted? as Right. Results? No, I'm, I'm asking any. I don't, I don't think I don't think there were any repercussions. I read that uh, at some point Janet Reno in a Q&A with press basically that I don't think they ever issued a formal apology, but she said, yeah, I'm sorry that we did that, that we leaked that info to the press about him and stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. It, that's one of the problems with these, these police states, police state bureaucracies is there's no, there's never any accountability for these people. They get away with this stuff. I mean, look at what they've done during Trump's presidency with this Marussia crap. No one's like, they haven't fired anyone. Have yeah. They? I mean, I guess, I don't know. Um, a couple people are not like Peter Strzok's not there anymore, is he? Maybe. Oh, right. Like, but but they're not. No one's prosecuted. No one gets in trouble. Like, there's not there's there's no real consequences for anyone. It's just there's no accountability. There's no accountability. And you know, I I used to think that probably like most people that if the FBI ever called me in for helping them with something real, like. There's a bomber or a murderer. You might have been there and saw something. Like, can you come in and talk to us? I assumed that I would be a good citizen and be like, yeah, sure. Like, I'll, I'll come tell you what. Not now. Not after watching what they've done with the Trump allies. I will never speak to them about anything. I won't help them solve legitimate crimes. I won't open my mouth. I'm not talking to them. I don't trust them. They have completely mm-hmm. lost the trust of regular people. And they deserve to lose the trust of regular people. Yeah. And they do this kind of crap over and over again. This is what the late nineties, and yeah, this is like here 96. we are twenty years later, and yeah. nothing's changed, uh, except for there might be less accountability than there was twenty years ago. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't see any reason to even cooperate at all, and that's a bad sign because. When people start to lose confidence in the very system that's supposed to keep us... Oh, crap. Well, we might have frozen. Uh, can you guys hear me? Maybe. My fan stopped. I can I can hear you and see you. Yeah, but if the fan stops, you're not going to be able to hear me and see me for long. Uh, okay. Literally everything is broke in this house. Oh well. Let's hope we can keep going. Fingers crossed. <laughs> anyway, I made my rant point. I can be done. Uh, well, well. Uh, uh, thank you guys for the super chats. We'll read a couple of them out, and if we go offline, you know what happened. Uh, Sandy Kins. Thank you, Sandy Kins. Get uh, gives us a, a big super chat and says. 
Perhaps the magic hat will help. <laughs> yes. I think I asked Carter why he's not wearing his Santa hat today. It's because his daughter is borrowing it. Um, yeah, she's using it for school. Oh, I like there's a Sandy Kins and a Muggsy Kins. Muggsy Kins <laughs> gives us a super chat and says, you can literally give someone a heart attack if you put an air bubble into their vein. Yes, you can. Right? I believe that's true. Yeah. I can't believe they did that. I just opened my door just to get a little bit of airflow. Austin Mellon. We may, we're not going to put all these up on the screen. If, if, car, keep car, going. if my, Austin <laughs> Mellon gives us a super chat and says, toss a coin to unsafe space. Oh, Valley of plenty. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Thank you, Austin. Uh, I'll fight you naked. That what a great screen name uh, gives us a super chat and says, after the hack, the DOD stopped informing Biden. Any ideas as to why? You mean the uh, solar winds hack? They stopped informing, informing Biden? I didn't know that they did that. Why would they stop informing Biden about a solar winds hack? Maybe, uh, well, we know that, I mean, we know the hack was about uh, just reading information. Maybe there's, uh, maybe there's information that makes Biden a person of interest in a, investigation somehow although i would think that the deep state would protect him i don't know why they would stop informing him i assume that you're talking about uh the solar winds hack which we can get into some people ask asked me to talk about it i don't really have a lot to say about it but we can explain what happened if people want uh roger uh, this Haynes. is not not a super chat but rock lexicon says have you seen the recent waco miniseries i'm old enough to remember the whole standoff and koresh was definitely insane but holy crap the atf and fbi were terrible in the whole incident Yes. No, I haven't seen that yet, and I would like to watch that one. Yeah, there's some great Waco stuff out there. Um, uh, Roger Haynes gives gives us five Canadian bucks for a new fan fund. Hopefully, we won't need a new fan, but I appreciate. It. Look, even my fan, I'm so cheap that even the fan doesn't work. <laughs> I probably have. I had to find the fan like in the closet. I've never used the fan. It's probably been years, so the fan can't even last for an hour. Uh, Tweet Girl. Girl also gives us five Canadian buckaroos and says, hello from Communist Canada, fan fund. <laughs> <laughs> and M. Shark gives us a super chat and says, thanks for the coffee breaks. I'm looking forward to Gary's discussion with you. Yes, us too. We will have, Carter will have a new computer by then. Um, cool. Thank you guys very much. Well, we're still, we're still here. So I, I say we keep going for it. We're still here. So yeah, let's try to get into this topic for today. Now, we okay. started with positive stuff because this topic makes me frustrated. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to put the I'm going to put the article up and you can if you want, you can start introducing it. Yeah. Here. So our friend Libby Evans wrote this piece. It's called. Can you read the title? I can't see it where I'm at. Sure. Uh, American professionals who advocate for lockdowns don't have to make any real sacrifices. Yeah. Let's read just a little of this, and you guys can find this online. Is this this is on the postmillennial? Carter, can uh, you read it? I, it I can't. Postmillennial, yeah. Uh, America's professional class and the big companies that employ them are doing just fine. They can continue to advocate for lockdowns because, other than the occasional canceled brunch, they are barely affected by the closures that have shuttered cities, centers, and disemployed people across the country. America's professional class and their corporate employees. Employers make sacrifices on their own terms while dictating that everyone else do as they are told. 
Americans in the service and hospitality sectors have been left out in the cold, unable to earn a living because of government shutdowns and corporate layoffs, all while being told they are selfish for wanting to work. Um, should I keep going? Yeah, read a little more. In the New York Times, uh, Eve Pacer, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, wrote that, quote, while the wealthy and the highly educated haven't entirely escaped the soul-crushing effects of the virus, they have also been, on the whole, getting richer. She notes that, quote, it has become clearer than ever that you don't have to be a bad person to live in an immoral system. There's one thing missing in this analysis, and it's this. The immoral system in which these people are living is one in which they are complicit. In fact, they helped create it fully and intentionally. They profit from it financially. And in their moralizing over the sacrifices and the lie that we are all, quote, in it together, they profit from it spiritually. When companies were told to close and to send staff home to work, America's professionals complied. They went home. They took up their laptops, made space on the dining room table, set their Amazon Prime accounts to automatic reorders of toilet paper, and got to work. Yeah. Um, so I, I know I just wanted to read a little bit of that, and you guys can find that on the Post Millennial. It's by Libby Evans. And somebody in the chat, this is not a super chat, but AT says, this is not news. We've known this for months. Yeah, it's, it's not news. It's just that a lot of people have never considered this <laughs> this right. whole time. And it also, it struck me, I don't know if you, you certainly will remember Carter, but back in April, around about April, I was having a real problem feeling empathy for the people who support lockdowns. And this piece <laughs> reinvigorated that in me. I'm struggling right now with empathy. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't blame you. Um, you know, in fact, I, I decided to just go take a look at this because here, I'll, I'll put this up on the screen here. Um, let's, where's my mouse? Here it is. <clears throat> I just like, let's just take a look at the NASDAQ and here's why most of these people are tech people. They have 401ks, they have stocks, a lot of tech company stocks, uh, the, the performance of the tech stocks in 2020 is a good indicator for how these people, how they, how their 2020 has gone, um, as, as opposed to maybe a restaurant owner or someone who works in the service industry. Here's the, the NASDAQ is mostly tech socks. The two I'm looking at are NASDAQ, which is mostly tech and NASDAQ composites, which you can see tracks it pretty closely, which is uh, more specifically IT heavy. So uh, NASDAQ was back at 8,641 and the end of last year. And now, it's at 12,668. It's up almost 50%. So their year's been good. Yeah. Their year's been good. They haven't gotten laid off. They haven't uh, lost paychecks. And their portfolios are good. Uh, and, you know, a lot of them, they owned Airbnb and DoorDash, and they IPO'd this year. A lot of these people uh, are, you know, we've talked about the wealth transfer between um, from from smaller businesses to larger businesses like Amazon and that kind of stuff. Well, uh, that's all good for these people. That, that that's fine. Um, they're they're having a good year. In fact, I this morning I had NPR on, and uh, they were doing their fundraising drive, and they were they were talking about how because I'm in the Bay Area, 
they're like, so many people have had a great year, tech stock this and this and that, and this IPO and blah, blah, blah. Like now's a great time to to give an endowment or to contribute. And like they're they're trying to target people who are flush with cash. Yeah. And this is at a, <laughs> this is a time when obviously uh, most of the country isn't uh, flush with cash. So, uh, by the way, that's the reason that the word Maria is on the back. This quote is usually attributed to Marie Antoinette, although I don't we don't I don't think there's any evidence that it actually was Marie Antoinette, but uh, it was originally French, right? It was let the meat cake. It's that attitude. That's the attitude that the upper middle class leftist information workers have about covid it's it's the let them eat cake attitude it's like well oh they're suffering well you know work from home yeah oh well i guess you should sell some of your tesla (laughs) like that's their attitude that's their attitude (laughs) this is uh i know that there are people in every every uh income group and every class who support the lockdown and the, and then I know there are those in every income group who don't. And it's, it's, it's not easy. You, you can't just say, well, oh, upper class people support it and work working class people. I know you don't like the phrase work, but working class people don't, you can't just say that. But what bothers me the most are the elitist upper class people who support it because it doesn't touch them. And right. I specifically was thinking of some former friends of mine in Austin who unfriended me in April back when I was having trouble finding empathy for people like them because they're the type who were posting stuff. They were posting about pro lock, uh, protests about the lockdowns, lockdown protests. Yep. And they were calling those people names and calling them un-American and making fun of them and calling them stupid and incorrectly assuming that they're all Trump voters and, and uh, you know, calling them selfish and meanwhile, because I know these people and I know they're elitist upper class people who live in a million dollar home and drive a Tesla and order in their sushi every night <laughs> right. to go pick it up in their Tesla, I was so disgusted. How dare you? They're the type of people who say, oh, just shut up and stay home and enjoy your Netflix vacation. I've had people say that on social media more than once. Right. It, and it's like, wow, that's very telling about what this is like for you. This is a Netflix vacation for you still making your full salary, sitting on your bum doing social justice work at some uh, digital (laughs) company, right? Social justice work. Uh, And then meanwhile, posting memes about how you're, how you're standing on the side of the oppressed. You care about the oppressed. You don't care about these people. We're about to head into, I saw a statistic. We're heading into 2021 over 12 million people are going to be over $6,000 behind in rent. <laughs> you don't care about those people. And that's several, care, I mean, unless you're in San Francisco, yeah. that's several months rent. Yeah, you don't care about the suicides. You don't care about the dep- increasing depression, anxiety, the addiction rates going up. You don't care about the people who haven't been able to go get their routine medical treatment for other issues. The people who died because they haven't gone in to get treatment for other issues. You don't care about all that. And, yeah. and you don't care about the people who've lost their jobs, the people that are losing their homes. And and you deign, you 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 pretend to be on the side of caring. It, it, you disgust me. They post these, I was say, I said in a post about them because I was thinking about that Bible verse in Matthew. When oh, you yep. pray, do not be like the hypocrites who stand on the street corners 
praying so that they might be seen. These people are like those hippo- those OG hypocrites, those OG virtue signalers in Matthew, except instead of praying on the street corner, standing on the street corner so that they might be seen praying, they're posting mask selfies so they might be seen caring. I care. I'm in a mask. Yeah. What about you guys? Stay home. Stay safe. Yeah. Right. So that you might be, you're a hypocrite. They are that, that they are. Um, and, I mean, you, I don't know why you're reminding me of this, but you're reminding me of the Tom Cruise rant that, that <laughs> did you see that yeah. recently? Yeah. Right. He screamed at a bunch of people on set because they weren't social distancing properly. And the interesting thing about that to me, wasn't just that he was, uh, you know, being a mask hole. But he had this, he said something to, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to the effect of, we're giving you jobs. Like we're doing, uh, we're, we're the ones getting, you know, letting you live, like giving you this employment. You know, you need to have, basically you're not contrite enough and you need to obey and I'll fire you. And, you know, I was thinking. No, wait, wait, wait. Let me jump in there. What? Because he said he was talking about all the people back in Hollywood, the little people. We are giving them jobs. And if you I know. get this, oh, okay, okay. He was saying we're giving the little people jobs. Right. And if you get this production shut down because you're not following rules, you're all those people are out of a job. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, I I guess. I I guess what's interesting to me about that is. That argument works when they want it to work, and it doesn't work whenever they have some sort of political agenda where you gotta like punish companies somehow, right? He's he totally gets the economics of the rich people need to do blah 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 so that other people have jobs and run businesses, but he wouldn't get that economics at all if it didn't benefit him. For everything else, they complain about like oh companies mistreat people or they do this or they need to be you know. Steal money from, you know, we should take money from richer people. We should take money from companies. Companies need to be taxed more. All the politics of Hollywood is anti-corporate unless they're the corporate. And then suddenly it's like, well, look, all the, look we're giving people jobs. We're, we're great for the economy. Like, we should be able to. It's it's such a double standard. I don't understand. I mean, I, I get why it's a double standard because they're assholes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Something rubbed me the wrong way about that because – I wish that Tom Cruise had been, okay, if that's his stance, why haven't you been defending capitalism for the last several decades when you have the spotlight? Why haven't you been up saying, hey, business owners provide jobs. Business owners should be supported. Uh, business owners are important. Oh, no, it's only when it's our business, then we get credit. When it's, when it's, when it's our business, then we get credit for giving pe- people jobs. Well, it's, <sighs> I'm a little more... I don't. I guess I don't have the same opinion about that as you because no. Okay. I don't. Well, only because I don't like holding. I don't like asking people why aren't you doing this other thing, you know, or why aren't you saying this. Well, be, because this, they're saying the opposite. I mean, it's it's okay. just like these are the same people that push socialism, unless it's their company, and then suddenly capitalism is valuable and provides jobs to people. It's oh, okay. just okay. Like they're they're the same people that push push against, you know anything positive to do anything good about supporting companies like they're, they're the same people that would argue uh 
you know, companies should have to pay more taxes and companies should have these regulations. They're the people that vote for crap like AB5 in California. They're the same people that argue against Uber or like all that stuff. And then when it comes to them, we're supposed to recognize how magnanimous they are for giving people jobs and running a company. <laughs> like, okay, thanks. Thanks, Tom Cruise. Um, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't bother you like it bothers me, but it, bo- it bothers me. It's I, a little bit hypocritical. I kind of liked it, even though he was arguing on behalf of enforcing social distancing. I kind of liked it where his heart is at about, the, you know, if we get shut down, all these people. Are I couldn't tell if he was angry about because he was worried that they were going to get shut down or if he was personally pissed off about the lack of social distancing. That I couldn't uh, tell. Uh, he's probably I think I've read somewhere he's a germaphobe. Is he? Wouldn't be surprised, but I don't know. I don't. I don't know anything about Tom Cruise, really. So who knows? I do remember he Good. jumped on. Didn't he jump on Oprah's couch once? And jumped, yeah. he's like a Scientologist. So Scientologist. Uh, yeah. Uh, All right. So do we have? We have one other super chat. We have Let's some super through. chats we can do, and then we got some oh. other stuff we can talk about, provided yeah. the computer complies. Uh, Schmandolf. Says, kind of a big one, do you think American Chinese investment has caused a cultural shift, particularly towards favoring communism, trade, and commerce? Um, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's, I don't think so, because the most of the Chinese that invest in America aren't pro-communism. I know this is going to sound weird. China's not... China's not one monolith. It's not like all Russians are Soviet commies, and it's not like all Chinese are communists either. The The Chinese that are here, most of them that are here that have money, that are investing, uh, they probably illegally got their money out of China through capital, like trying to bypass capital controls. Um, they mostly hate what she is doing to the Chinese uh, economy. And, and generally, they're here specifically because they want some freedom to run businesses. Now, do they have some sort of mixed economy kind of feelings, the same that most people in the U.S. have? Yes, most of them are not free market capitalists. That's not what I'm saying. But are they, like, pushing people towards communism? No. But they do tend to be much more pragmatic, which is dangerous. So... Again, I'm speaking in generalities, but they do tend to be much more pragmatic. So if bribing someone to do X, Y, and Z and to get X, Y, and Z regulation passed helps them, then sure, right? They're they're not – they tend to not have really any goal except for making money um, and without a lot of care about how that's done. Um, But I don't think it's like necessarily pushing culture – towards communism. I think if you want to look at who's pushing culture towards communism, look at universities. Um, although Chinese are funding some of the universities. Are you are you muted? Oh, I didn't realize it. I was I was trying to interrupt you. That's that's why you couldn't oh. hear me. Uh, <laughs> I would also say, Schmandolf, you should look up. We did an interview with uh, Sean Fitzpatrick, actual justice yes. warrior. And he talked about China, Chinese money being put into public schools, not just universities, but elementary schools, mm-hmm. and yep. it coming with strings attached. So, And that's yeah. not wealthy Chinese investors. That's the Communist <laughs> Chinese Party, yeah. the Chinese Communist Party. That's directly CCP doing that. Uh, so I would say that's that's the communist influence. That was fascinating. Yeah. You should go check out Actual Justice Warrior. It's scary. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. Let's see. Next one. 
G-Man. Uh, G-Man says, yesterday's stream going down was the worst thing to happen to me in 2020. <laughs> well, then you're in if good only. shape, fellow. <laughs> if only. It did I'm feel... Sorry. I was depressed yesterday afterwards. I was embarrassed Carter and depressed. Was, I was Carter I was, was very depressed. Uh, uh, Columbus... Columbus NY... Columbus uh, Cynic. Uh, Columbus Cynic. Thank you. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Gives us $50 super chat. Thank you. And says, realistically... Where do you see us in a year? Socially, politically, economically? <clears throat> well, we just talked to Peter Schiff yesterday. We pre-recorded an interview that's going to air soon. Um, he's an economist. I was a little out of my depth with him, but that was good. He stretched my brain. He and Carter stretched my brain. But he's he's one of the guys who accurately predicted the 2008 housing crisis, the bubble. And he's basically saying... 2021 is going to be worse than 2020. If that tells you anything, uh, I tend to trust people like him who have a bit more expertise in this area than me. But yeah, my gut says, see, see this destruction that the lockdowns have caused that, that the people who support them don't want to even allow us to look at or question, you know, when these governors go out and do all these talks about COVID numbers and their projection models and whatever, Constantin Kissin brought up a great point I saw on Twitter the other day. He's like, I would like once for them to come out and and do projection models on the consequences of the lockdown. They never do that. They're never like this many suicides we're projecting, you know, this many people losing their homes, this many people going bankrupt. They don't do that. Depression numbers, addiction rates, they're, they're not covering that. Right. And I think a lot of these consequences of the lockdowns are going to be felt for a while. They're going to be compounded because these things, you know, it's not just one thing as a result. It's, it's going to be multiple things that families are facing uh, because what happens when you lose your home? Well, then there's a whole host of other problems on top of that. Yeah. So I think it's going to be uh, a really, a really trying year coming up for a lot of Americans and beyond and in the UK and other places uh, because of lockdown. So yeah. um, I, I, that's unfortunate. Where do we, yeah. where do I see us socially and politically? Well, I think that, I think that Biden's going to be in there. <laughs> uh, you know, in the social justice groups I'm in, I saw them celebrating today about, about, gender sex skin color that's all they care about they don't care about is this the right person for the job they're like yay he appointed this black person right. there's like, a native american oh, person now yeah there's a gay person yay uh, yeah they and, pretended that Buttigieg was the first gay cabinet member too which wasn't true yeah which is a lie uh, but yeah. uh they, that's all they care about they don't seem to even care about are these the best people for these positions which is weird the double standard of, you know, there was article after article about the people Trump was appointing and are they the best people for the positions? Remember how they made fun of a black man? Remember how they made fun of Ben Carson? He's not oh, yeah. qualified for for yeah. housing and develop, you know, development. What? Yep. Now yep. they don't care about any of that as long as the skin color and the gender and the sexuality is right. Like they never cared people. about any of that. Yeah. Screw I mean, those people. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I think know. politically, I'm, I'm almost done. I think politically it's going to be, um, more of the same. There's going to be more of this ridiculous red, blue, uh, polarization, which doesn't even matter. 
but all these people believe that it matters. And I think the press, we're going to, we're about to see a return. We've already started seeing a return to the bum kissing that happened under Obama, where it's going to be nothing but puff pieces and lazy journalism, uh, you know, about how awesome he is. They're going to put out the narrative that he fixed COVID in the way, in some way, magical way that Trump couldn't, which is why I do think we are going to see, he's going to try to do some federal mandate, whether it be masks or lockdowns. He's going to try to do that for about three months and then end it so they can say, and now, and then they can tout numbers, which are already, which already exist, <laughs> but they'll tout it and they'll tie it to whatever BS he did. And they'll say cured it. And uh, I think that we are, I think Bitcoin's going to continue to climb. I think socially SJWism is going to get a little worse because they feel like they have a mandate on that crap now. They doubled down under Trump, weirdly enough, as in opposition to him. I think he pushed it, he like sped it up a little bit, um, which is maybe good because a lot of people started to wake up. I, I woke up. A lot of people woke up because it went so far. I think it's going to go further. And I think a lot of people, hopefully a lot more people will wake up to what it is. And here's the silver lining, because I know I'm saying a lot of doom and gloom. One, I think Bitcoin is going to continue to climb. Two, I think now, and this, bear with me, atheists, uh, I think that our country, at least in the States, maybe globally, I don't know, but I think we're getting ready for a new revival. I think there's going to be a spiritual awakening or a new kind of take God out of it, even a new enlightenment. I think there's going to be because what happens after the darkness light. And sometimes that's the only place you can get to the light is in the darkness. I think there's going to be something really beautiful emerge at the end of all this. And, and because of this. So that's what I think. That's long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to say what I have to say quickly. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to go too long. Uh, <clears throat> financially, it'll be worse. Uh, we've printed trillions of dollars. That's going to, I mean, we've printed trillions of dollars. We've closed a bunch of businesses. So the, we're going to have to pay the piper probably next year. Um, but financial consequences are also hard to predict. So when that will really come to bear or won't come to fruition, it's not clear, but it'll, it'll happen. Um, and uh, politically, I think we will just be more divided. I don't see this getting better. Uh, and one of the reasons, a really high level way to just predict that is they're talking about unity. Therefore, the opposite will happen. Um, that's like a really simple way to look at it, but, uh, they are doing everything they can to divide and continue to divide. I don't know that it will necessarily be Republican and Democrat. It will be Trump versus, it'll be Trump, Trumpism sort of, it'll be that like populist Republican arm versus the, uh, establishment Republican and, and Democrat stuff. Uh, so I don't think politics is going to get better, um, and socially, I agree. This the they're they're going to double down. They feel like they won. They did. Uh, they won, right? So they're going to undo the Trump uh, ban on critical race theory. They're going to double down in education, 
and mainstream media. They've the social social justice is not done. Um, yeah, people are pushing back, but th- this is their they're sprinting towards the the goal line right now. So I I don't want to be the cynic, but I typically am. I don't I don't think there's light at the end of the tunnel next year. We're not. Will there be light at the end of the tunnel? Maybe. Sure, eventually. We're not near the end of the yeah. tunnel. We're still in it. And they they just won a battle and it's gonna hurt for a little while. Yeah. I mean I, I agree. Hate to say but that, I but... think I but I think the people who are finding the light, I think that number is gonna keep growing. I guess I'd put it that way in a positive spin on it. Like Yes. So, somebody in chat asked, these are not super chats, but I'll I'll just read them. Wonder Freeman says, I see the light every day. <laughs> yes. And Mana Luna Lula says, why do you think that, Carrie? Well, I th- I think that because, like Wonder Freeman says, I see the light every day. There are people who are searching for meaning and purpose and truth. Why? Well, because when times get hard, what do people turn to? They start to look for meaning and truth. I think I think that you will see more people looking for things meaningful and, and pursuing things meaningful because things are going to get tough. Look, in times of prosperity, uh, what think about the worst parts of our culture, this sort of uh, consumerism, hedonism, pursuit of things that are not meaningful, you know, the security and the safety and the superfluous uh, income and means to waste your time and money pursuing meaningless bullcrap. <laughs> you know, like I think you'll start. There will still be people doing that. Don't get me wrong, but I think I think because times are going to get hard, you're going to see more people having this crisis of the soul, where they're looking for what's what's truly important and contemplating death and contemplating the meaning of life and and all of that stuff. I think I I just I think I think that's a natural uh, outcome of tough times and and Christianity specifically. Look at the Christianity that you see, and not just Christianity. Uh, look at the people practicing uh, both both the Uyghurs, the the Muslims in China. Look at the Christians in China, the underground Christians. Look how that's growing and how strong their faith is in the face of oppression, in the face of trying or dark times. Right? Like we've been very comfortable in this country for a while. And I think the more uncomfortable we get, one silver lining of that is people looking for something true and purposeful and meaningful. It's like uh, I, had a, I had a family member when they got their cancer diagnosis, the doctor said, you might experience, um, he called it the perverse positives of a cancer diagnosis, right? What does that mean? Well, you might get closer to that per you, you know your family bonds might might get stronger you might start to dig down deep and figure out what's really important and meaningful and what's worth spending your time on in life and what's not you know perverse positives that's i think all I that's think. true however we're nowhere near things are nowhere near tough enough yet right i know we are they nowhere will. near bottom and i i think I hate to say this, but we will look back on 2020 and go, things weren't that bad. Yeah. Uh, it's going to get way worse. 
before it gets better. Um, so uh, the other thing I'll say is, and this is the, it's just a fact. Like, I, I wish it weren't true, but it's just true. P political change doesn't require the masses. It requires the elites. The elites, the elites do it. They, they're the ones who run revolutions. They're the ones who overturn governments. They're the ones that change the course. The masses don't matter as much as you think they do. Um, yes, you can't, like, if they're all massively against you, but then they, they infiltrate the elites. Like, the elites, I mean, I, I interviewed um, Professor Gary Morrison about uh, the Russian Revolution. It, it wasn't... It wasn't the masses that rose up against the czar. It was the, you know, the Russian Revolution was about the elites. It was the elite class. It's the liberals. It's the educated class. It's the, it's, those are the people that control. And, and I don't mean just a few handful of people. I mean the, that class of people generally, because um, they're in positions of power. And that class is owned by the social justice warriors right now and for the foreseeable future. So, uh, the silver lining, the only silver lining that I see is that in America, there are a lot of people who will refuse to go along with this. And maybe if it comes to a head, there will be an escape valve. There will be somewhere that's like, all right, Texas wants to secede. Something wants, like something changes where, like, okay, you guys go do your thing and there's a separation of some kind. I Right now, I think separation is the best outcome possible because if it's not separation we're not gonna like enlightenment values are not on track to take over the political establishment guys i mean i i don't want to be the one to deliver bad news right before christmas but it's just like that's the truth i'm not going to be your cancer doctor and say you're going to be fine it's metastasized there's no way that enlightenment values are on track to take over the deep state it's just not, I, I don't, there's no evidence for that. Not, Zero. I don't think that either, to be clear. I'm saying, though, that there will be a new kind of enlightenment that happens after the dust settles. Yeah, I just think there the dust, we're, we're a long more. way away from the dust settling. Yeah. Um, things yeah. aren't as bad as. Yeah, they're going to get it worse. You think they could be, or, the, you know, you think they are. Um, someone, by the way, someone in chat says, why don't you use Discord? Uh, if you are a subscriber, even at a dollar amount on Subscribestar, you are on Discord. We do have a Discord server. so, um, But we don't want a lot of spammy stuff on Discord. So basically, if you're any level subscriber on Subscribestar, you, you can get into the Discord server. Uh, okay, let's do some um, <coughs> let's do some Super Chats. Cool? I'm, I'm going to, yeah, you read it. I have to get something. Okay. <laughs> let's hope the computer survives. I've been, I've been leaning over and, and putting dust spray on it because it comes out cold uh while carrie's been speaking so i'm not gonna be able to do that while i'm talking all right pirate tomsky pirate tomsky says this non-essential narrative pisses me off everyone is essential when you've <clears throat> when you're trying to feed your children i have friends who've been destroyed yeah it pisses me off too pirate tomsky and this is you know, remember when they had the discussion about death boards with obamacare and the left was all that would never happen wouldn't would never decide who lives and dies well, that's what essential workers is. It's because, by the way, now they're using essential workers. Forget about your feelings about the vaccine. Let's assume that the vaccine is necessary and, and whatever. They're using that to decide who gets vaccines, among other stuff, which we can talk about. 
Um, but yeah, it pisses me off too. Uh, Alpha Omega Records says, Zoom is Chinese tech. The mind boggles that the West is using it so often. Use something else other than that. Love the show. I'm gay, but I think I might love Carrie. Yes, I'm a simp. What you gonna do? <laughs> we're gonna take your 10 pounds and thank you. That's what we're gonna do. Uh, Zoom was founded in the US. Uh, I know some of the early stage investors. They're not Chinese. The, the found, one of the founders is Chinese, but he's Chinese American. I don't, I don't, Zoom is not funded by Chinese Communist Party, to my knowledge, or even by mostly Chinese venture capitalists. Uh, so I don't know where that comes from. Um, Sandykins57 says, Carter rant, or Carrie rant. I'm like, why Carter rant? I didn't rant. Carrie did. It was a great rant. And she gives a little heart as well. So, oh, thanks. Um, sorry, I'm scrolling too fast to do this. Well. So this is not as you're pulling up the next one. I was going to. Hmm. Unless you get to it first, go ahead and read that. But there was one other comment I wanted to read. I'm looking yeah. for it. Okay. Well, whoever wins can start talking. Okay. Whoever wins. Uh, okay. Austin Tremell. Austin Tremell gives us 10 bucks and says, as a 20-year-old man, I worry greatly for my future children, all this debt they have to deal with. Going to get worse if we don't fix it now. Yeah, I don't blame you, Austin. And... Uh, I hate to be, again, the naysayer. By the way, I'm not trying to be the naysayer to be like a doomsday or a pessimist or cynical. I'm trying to give you the what I think is reality so that you can prepare accordingly so you'll be happier later. It's not going to get fixed. We're not going to fix the debt. We're, we're never going to fix the debt. The debt can't be fixed. It's, it's just the, the horse has left the barn. It's over. Eventually, what will happen? I don't know when. I'm, I can't predict timing. Eventually, what will happen is the U.S. dollar will completely collapse, and that will be the end. Like that's the debt will get fixed because the dollar will be worthless. Um, and as soon as that starts to happen, other countries who hold and, and entities who hold large amounts of U.S. debt will just start dumping it on the market to get rid of it uh, for a fraction of what it's worth, and that will just cause the, make the problem worse. And you know that that's going to be how we that'll be part of our demise, right? Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll happen next year. Maybe it'll happen 10 years from now. I don't know. But um, I guess the good news is if you're 20, your kids aren't going to have to pay this debt uh, because I don't think it's going to be around um, in the same form. Uh, Sun King, if you haven't, check out Biden yelling at civil rights leaders leaked meeting. I didn't see that. Have, do you know about that, Carrie? I did. And what was interesting about that was the hypocrisy coming from people like, uh, oh gosh, what's her name? She's a CNN contributor. Joy, she's one of these awful SJWs. Somebody help me in chat. Oh, um, Not Joy from the, from the, the um, oh crap. I think I know who you're talking about, but I don't remember her last anyway, name either. Yeah. Anyway, uh, she's the woman who had, uh, they found all these homophobic, or these anti-gay posts from her from back in the day. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking and, of. And, yeah. Anyway, she was basically tweeting all this stuff about how uh, unethical it is to leak this kind of audio from a private meeting. <laughs> 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 what? What? Uh, because it made Joe Biden look bad because he was basically telling off these civil rights leaders that, like, 
you know, and, and so instead of defending the civil rights leaders, you're going to say this makes this makes the, our can, my, the candidate support look bad. Therefore, I'm against it. It just was total. It's the same thing they did. It's the same thing the Clinton campaign did with the leaked DNC emails. They were like, how dare you leak these 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 emails? How dare they get leaked? It's like, well, yeah. what about the contents of the emails? Can we talk about those? No. The problem is they were leaked. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Joy Reed, thank you. Someone said Reed. Oh, uh, gosh. Mandy, our favorite Russian bot. Mandy, Mandy says, has Carter joined House Slytherin? He's supposed to be a Hufflepuff. Makes sense, I <laughs> suppose. Uh, you might, might as well be speaking Russian because I don't know. Uh, I don't know either, but I think it has to do with your sweater today. Oh, maybe. Maybe. And also, are, is Slytherin cynical? All I know is that one of my favorite actors who's now passed away was Slytherin. Alan Rickman was a Slytherin. Slytherin guy, I think, right? He's a good actor. Isn't yeah. He? Yeah. Um, Pirate Tomsky gives us five bucks and says, I agree, Carrie, a new enlightenment for sure. My concern is how much blood will flow in the streets before that happens. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the thing. It's like in the long run, yes, that will happen. Uh, will we have another 20th century, in, but in America, where 100 million people die from bad politics first? Uh, and then it happens. Let's hope not. Uh, but Alpha Omega Records gives us 10 bucks and says 2021 will be the year we all pay for the lockdowns. Yes. Recession is not depression. They'll print money to try and escape collapse, leading to massive inflation. Can't wait. Yeah. And something that Peter Schiff said yesterday during our conversation, which we'll hear is that, uh, you know, the Fed is encouraging the Treasury to spend right now. So, they're not going to be any kind of, they're not going to put any kind of brakes on this kind of crap. Um, they are, you know, the party is raging. And when the pain comes, they're going to say, take some more cocaine. That's that's what's going to happen. And it's, it's just going to get worse. Um, little Ragamuffin. Hey, Little Ragamuffin. Hey. She gives us five bucks and says, get some spiritual because they, cause they see the light and some because they feel the heat. Oh, some get spiritual because they see the light, and some get spiritual because they feel the heat. Yes. Yes, that is true. Yes. Um, I think I think Carrie's hoping the heat will be hot enough that many, many people see the light soon. So I'm going to interject here and before mm. I let you finish these out, and then we can wrap the show. But uh, So somebody in chat said, this is uh, POC, Preserver of Culture, great name, <laughs> says, Carrie... The Uyghurs are being slaughtered. Half, having faith does nothing. And also posted a few other black pill comments. And I see you. I hear you. But I disagree about faith. And I wanted to read this. And uh, this is not a Christian podcast for any new people who are about to get triggered, who get triggered whenever I talk about my faith. You look. Hey, Carter's I'm here with atheist. you as an atheist, guys, so you can just, yeah. you know, stare at me yeah. and pretend that you're not hearing anything. Hey, like possible. like an AA meeting, <laughs> I think you can stand to hear the word and then take what works for you and leave what doesn't. So uh, my, given that I confessed earlier that I've been struggling with cravings for smoking, uh, I had a, I, I asked my preacher uh, to, they they had said something, one of the early services about if you're ever struggling with something, you can have the preacher and the deacons uh, come and pray with you. And I've never done anything like that. And I said, 
okay, I'm going to do this because I want a kind of confession with people. And so that I'm not like having this struggle by myself, which is part of the reason I guess I'm talking about today and will help me through this trying period of, uh, like initial cravings and whatever. So they came over to my house, the preacher and the deacons, and they prayed with me and it was lovely. And they gave me a lot to think about. And, um, one of the things he he told me about was to read Hebrews 12 and he was talking about how big picture we are at the we are in a war and you can choose to think of that as a spiritual war I do or a cultural war I do or even just if you're not religious a war in terms of well like a cultural war or you can think of it as a, a war or a struggle or a test a race, a marathon that you're running in terms of the trying times to come. Okay. So you can think of it like that. And this chapter, I had never, I don't think I had read it anyway, but I read it that night and I understood why he told me to read it. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. We're not turning this into a Bible show, but I am going to read this part because it applies to what you're saying, POC, preserver of culture about having faith. Okay. It says, now this is after This is after they've just talked about some of the um, great defenders of the faith, all of whom had faults and sins. And, you know, you don't become a Christian and become a perfect person. (laughs) Like, you're still going to have these temptations and struggles and things, but now you are kind of coming at them in a a different way, or at least I, I am. Okay. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, every sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look at that. (laughs) It's like, shuck off all that stuff that's, that's weighing you down. That's, you know, and he was kind of talking to me about how, uh, in, in the Christian faith anyway, once you become a Christian, you're kind of viewed as being a tool for God, that God will use you in some way, that there is a use for everyone. Do you want to be a sharp tool or do you want to be a dull tool? And if you're doing habits or behaviors that make you dull, shuck those off, right? Drop those weights. So let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not even resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Isn't that, like, we haven't, that, I, I don't know, it just puts struggle in perspective, right? Okay, and then, it, and then it goes on to talk about, I'm not going to read all this because I know people will get tired of it, some people, but it talks about uh, how struggle can be seen as a kind of discipline of like a father disciplining a son. A father disciplines a son because he loves him, because he's looking out for him down the road. He's helping to perfect him and make him better and make him more prepared. And so we can choose to look at struggle and adversity as a way of we are being disciplined. We are being sharpened. We are being molded so that we are better prepared for the struggle down the road. You're being perfected through all of this. You're being made sharp. And, and anyway, that's, 
that would be, I don't know if that makes sense, POC, preserver of culture, but uh, I would highly encourage everyone to read the whole chapter, chapter 12 of Hebrews. Even if you're not a Christian, you might get something from it. I did. Um, so that's all. That, yeah. Thank you for letting me have that. No, we fine. should have some little intro and outro music for when I, if I ever read from the Bible again. Bible, we, need, we, need a, we need an organ so I can, <laughs> I, I would play the organ at the beginning and end for you. That way, anybody who's triggered by the Bible can go get a, a soda or something while it's like, oh, it's the organ music. Ah, getting out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, I was trying to not make my eyes glaze over like yours do for economics, so it was good. Oh, good. Uh, you, yeah, thanks. But no, it, look, it's uh, from e even from an atheist perspective, this is a philosophical war, um, and those take time. And someone I saw someone in chat say, like, well, the Enlightenment will, will never be lost because the knowledge gained has been gained and that's true like you know and that's we need to keep that knowledge alive we need to make sure that there's some place where uh the enlightenment ideas thrive even if it's a small place um because ultimately they're going to what they're they're the thing that can save humanity from itself um and so we just need to keep them alive somewhere and uh it's a long it's a long battle that's why i don't like necessarily predicting like oh this is what's going to happen next year and the year after that i'm like i don't know you know it what the soviet union did crappy things for like 50 years or not maybe not 50 no yeah 50 over 50 years like they right. did horrible things for a long time like you can do a lot of damage before things unravel so this race is a marathon and we have to run it with endurance Right. Uh, okay. Little Ragamuffin. Little Ragamuffin gives us five bucks and says, here's another five spot. Thanks for using the phrase five spot for freedom. Uh, and the hope that more people wake up to what we were losing. 2021 is going to be one for the books. Thanks for the cabbage. <laughs> Thanks for the cabbage, little Ragamuffin. By the way, Ragamuffin's on all the 2020s glossary lists. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Someone says knowledge can be forgotten. I agree, but not in the age of the internet and USB thumbs, thumb drives. So uh, I think one good thing about technology is it's really hard to lose. Now, you can't just burn the Library of Alexandria and be done with it. Uh, although I could be wrong. Maybe there's another Dark Ages. Maybe we'll have some horrific event that knowledge gets lost, which is why I'm fighting at least to keep it alive somewhere. Okay. G-Man, Carrie, thank you for being the voice of hope. Carter, thank you for being the voice of reason. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you're implying, G-Man, that it's unreasonable to be hopeful. But, uh, you know, it, that's okay. It's not. It's very reasonable to be hopeful. Uh, Wendell sometimes. Berry, one of my favorite quotes, Wendell Berry. What is it? Be joyful, though you have considered all the facts. <laughs> all right. Uh, Stevie LG says, uh, Carter, please give a breakdown on net neutrality soon. Uh, chat has government internet with locals love, but my parents two miles out have the worst internet per a Jeep high. Um, yeah. I, is net neutrality still in the news? I mean, I remember, yeah, I, I don't know if it's back. Um, I can certainly talk about net neutrality. Uh, the principles are, it's, it's a difficult task, right? Because, not difficult task. It's not as straightforward as you would imagine because um, people get, get, uh, turned around by the fact that it's regulation 
on top of existing regulation. Like the it's cable and internet is already heavily regulated through the physical infrastructure. Um, so this it's an example of the government creating uh, a, an economy, a micro economy or a little market that's distorted already um, and then trying to fix some problems. Uh, okay. I'm trying to catch up, but I don't think I can scroll back far enough. All right. Well, I'm scrolling. The next one is from Cranky Old Sailor. Great name. Uh, Great name. Says, that's why the intellectuals were the first against the wall while Stalin consolidated his power. Yes, that is exactly why. And it's why uh, even though uh, even though a lot of the intellectuals pushing for the Marxist revolution in America, we can, we can be angry at and be fighting against uh, and even despise. You can feel a little bit bad for them because if they win, they will be the first against the wall because the whoever the uh, equivalent of Genghis Khan is that gets in charge will eliminate them because they were effective at creating change. Um, so Alpha Omega Records uh, gives us five pounds and says, I've been an atheist since I was about six years old. I'm still not a believer, but my family is Catholic, Catholic and I'm reconnecting with Christian culture. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you can see, I'm not... I'm not the evangelical atheist I was in the past uh, as well. I totally get that there's some things to appreciate about Christianity, um, but still an atheist. So uh, welcome. <laughs> Dave Omer. Dave Omer says, uh, enjoy the remainder of my Google opinion review money. Thank you. I forgot. I was supposed oh. to look into the Google opinion thing. Apparently, there's a thing where you can donate money through Google opinion. I don't really – I forgot how – I forgot to look that up, so I apologize. Beverly will probably yell at me later. To look it up so we can talk about it on our show. So I will do that uh, and tell people how to go about doing that. James B. James B. gives us five pounds and says, Ari Zoom, everything and everyone with family or presence in China has to be in line with CCP. Being Chinese American doesn't help. That's not uh, true. Really? Uh, so Zoom Zoom did have, uh, Kristen chat did share this with me. Zoom did get in trouble for having data centers in China. Um, and they were like, oops. Who knows how they probably were just cheap. Um, and so traffic was getting routed. Apparently now you can control where your traffic gets routed. I mean, I, I, I don't know. The, the idea of saying they're Chinese, it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're owned by the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, everyone, everyone with a family or presence in China. I mean, my wife has a family in China. Does she have to be careful when she's in China about what she says on Chinese social media platforms? Yes. Could she do whatever she wants in the United States? Yes. It's not like they don't <laughs> they don't follow her around and like I, I I guess maybe if she was the president of Zoom and the founder of Zoom, she might have to worry only if she wanted to return to China. Um, but no, this person is saying the way I read it is that if you're in China, being Chinese American doesn't help. Zoom's not in China. Zoom's in Silicon Valley. No, if you're a person in China trying to use Zoom. Oh, well, don't. I mean, everything sucks in China. Right. I mean, don't blame Zoom. <laughs> like, yeah. literally everything is tapped, censored, and what, like, yeah, it's China. I don't know if that's what they're saying anyway. Anyway, um, I'll tell you why people are using Zoom. It's cheap and it works pretty well for most of what people want to do. So, you know, uh, are there other options? Yes, I've used a few other options in the past for similar things, but um, they just weren't—they weren't as good. That's why—that's why people use Zoom, and now it's kind of ubiquitous. 
Um, I've got the next one. Rock's Le- Rock Lexicon gives us five bucks. Thank you, Rock. And says, thanks for your recent deprogrammed episode with K-Dub. Mm. If you guys haven't seen that, you can find it. His name is Chris Williams. He's a Christian rap artist. Uh, he says, I'm trying to find great resources to inform my friends on how to fight wokeism in the church. Well, Rock Lexicon, you should also look up our interview with Monique Dusson. Dusson? Dusson? D-U-S-O-N. Mm-hmm. She did. She founded the Center for Biblical Unity with Krista uh, Baumtrager, I think is her last name. And Monique was a social justice warrior for two decades, like I was, an incredibly long amount of time. But she was for social justice in the church. So for her to walk away from it and now to speak against it, which is what she does with the Center for Biblical Unity, comes with a lot of cred because she was a true believer for so long. You should really check out Monique. Uh, you should also check out Samuel Say, who we've had on the show, S-E-Y. He has a great article about social justice and the gospel. You can find it. It's at Slow to Write is his website. Um, and Chris Williams, uh, Paul Vanderclay is someone else we've been mm-hmm. able to talk to in the past who, who talks about it. There's a lot of uh, people who are now addressing it. And then my preacher who I've mentioned before, and we also got to interview Bradley Helgerson. All of his sermons are online at, on Facebook currently. Uh, I think they also put them on YouTube. It's called the church on the square. And he has some on woke culture that are really great. So that's what I would suggest. Yep. Uh, Z Thras, Thank you for the super chat says, when is Nerdrotic joining you guys? Well, if you guys tuned in yesterday, it was supposed to be yesterday live, but our computer, Carter's computer crashed. We are getting a new computer with your help. Thank you. And uh, we're going to be rescheduling him for the new year. And he's so kind. He's going to come back. We're going to try again with new tech. Sandykins, 57. Thank you, Sandykins. Sandykins says, this is the best knitting show ever. (laughs) Sometimes I think Sandykins is trying to troll me, but it's okay. Yes. (laughs) And... Let's see. Is that it? Oh, no. Sue Escobar. Hello, Sue. Uh, I saw Sue today on Instagram. Sue says, as for burning down the Library of Alexandria, I highly recommend James Corbett's work on that, as well as Truthstream Media. Hmm. It is a real threat. Klaus Schwab is warning about a pending cyber attack. Yep. Yeah, I just maybe maybe this is me being too. I'll be the optimist here. Look, I mean, I have a tiny hard drive that could fit the entire library of Alexandria on it. Like, it's, we can save stuff. They can cyber attack all they want, but it's pretty trivial to save all the major works and and new intellectual developments somewhere offline. Um, Now, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, By the way, there's there's more Zoom discussion. (laughs) Look. If you have evidence that the CEO and founder of Zoom, who is Chinese-American, is being blackmailed or coerced by the Chinese government because his family is in China, I'll listen to that. But uh, just throwing around like, hey, there's a Chinese-American in charge, therefore it's a Chinese company, it doesn't work for me. Um, sorry. <laughs> so I know too well, many Chinese people who are not at all controlled by the Chinese government. Is that what they were saying, though, that that's why? I think, yeah. Oh, Um, I I didn't see that, but... Pirate Tomsky says, we're all trying to troll you. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Uh, Uh, I'm easy to troll sometimes. It's cool. 
So, all right. I think we're through. I think we are. I know that you wanted to end. I, there's one other thing, though. Judge Lott shared an article with us, and I kind of want to just... We don't have to go through it. I just want to show the most egregious paragraphs because um, they're very egregious. Uh, did you see this New York Times article about uh, the COVID vaccine and their priorities for people? Oh... I'm not, I did not see this article, but I saw an excerpt from something on Twitter. It may have been this about white elderly people. Yeah. So they're talking about who gets the vaccine first. And, um, you know, it starts out with some stuff that's woke sounding and, and, and bad. And I thought this was going to be the bad part. Um, so uh, it's damnable that we're even being placed in this position that we have to make these choices, said the Reverend William J. Barber II, a co-chairman of the Poor People's Campaign. Um, but if we have to make the choice, we cannot once again leave poor and low-wealth essential workers to be last. So, okay, and they're talking about people of color more, you know, dis, you know, disproportionately represented in the poor. So, okay, they're having that, but they get, they get uh, really obvious. Um, they get really obvious about this. So, um, an independent committee of medical experts that advises the CDC on immunization practices will soon vote on whom to recommend for the second phase of vaccination, phase 1B. In a meeting last month, all voting members of the committee indicated support for putting essential workers ahead of people 65 and older and those with high-risk health conditions. By the way, this, this is what death boards look like, a little more complicated. Uh, historically, the committee relied on scientific evidence to inform its decisions, but now the members are waiting, weighing social justice concerns as well, noted Lisa A. Prosser, a professor of health policy and decision sciences. The word science doesn't need to be in this uh, description at the University of Michigan. She adds on, she's the professor of health policy and decision sciences, because that makes it sound like a real thing. Um to me, the issue of ethics is very significant, very important for this country, um, says this committee member, dude, and clearly, uh, blah, 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 and he said, and clearly favors the essential workers group because of the high proportion of minority, low income, and low education workers among essential workers. Again, we can have this whole essential conversation, what it means to be essential, but stuff gets, stuff gets interesting, even more interesting down here. So let's take a look. Um, one occupation whose priority is being hotly debated is teaching. The CDC includes educators as essential workers, but not everyone agrees with that designation. Mark Lipsitch, an infectious disease epidemiologist at Harvard's T.H. Chan School of Public Health, argued that teachers should not be included as essential workers if the central goal of the committee is to reduce health inequities. Quote, teachers have middle-class salaries, are very often white, they're and they white. have college degrees, he said. Of course they should be treated better, but they're not going to be among the mistreated of the most mistreated of workers. Okay, so apparently being white is a reason to not treat them. Interesting. Let's keep going. Elsie Gould, a senior economist at the Economic Policy Institute, disagreed. Teachers not only ensure that children don't fall further behind at their education, she said, but they're also critical to the workforce at large. When you talk about disproportionate impact and you're concerned about people getting back into the labor force, many are mothers and they will have a harder time if their children don't have a reliable place to go, so for babysitting. And if you think generally about people who have jobs where they can't telework, they're disproportionately black and brown, 
they'll have a more challenge. They'll have more of a challenge when childcare is an issue. So she's saying, uh, yeah, white's a bad thing, but we got to let the white teachers go to work because um, it hurts these other non-white people. And Francine Blau, a labor economist at Cornell University and an author of uh, the study that they're talking about, teachers belong, according to her, teachers belong in the larger category of essential workers. However, when they work in class, class classrooms rather than remotely, she said they would fit into the frontline group. Individual states categorize teachers differently. Um, let's see. Where's the one that I really am looking for? Uh, there's another. There's another beautiful. Here Harold we go. Schmidt? Harold Can Schmidt. I read this part. Yep. Let me read Harold this Schmidt, this is, an expert. This is the, let me read this part. This is the. This is the the excerpt that I read on Twitter, and I couldn't read the whole article because I don't pay to subscribe to. Oh, I don't either. Times. Okay. I don't either. Harold Schmidt, an expert in ethics and health policy at the University of Pennsylvania, said that it is reasonable to put essential workers ahead of older adults, given their risks and that they are disproportionately minorities. Quote, older populations are wider, Dr. Schmidt said. Society is structured in a way that enables them to live longer, white people. <laughs> That's what he means. Right. Instead of giving additional benefits to those who already had more of them, we can start to level the playing field a bit. Level the playing field a bit? What this person's talking about is let people die or we're you know in according yeah, to what he's talking about according, according to what to... he's arguing is mm -hmm. if you believe that the vaccine is gonna save lives like this person does and you believe and you're therefore trying to figure out who gets it first like all of these experts are and he's saying in his expert opinion let's put old people at the bottom of the list because they're mostly white <laughs> Yeah. I mean, this is what central planning looks like. Central planning looks like this. It looks like making decisions based on these kind of things um, and deciding who lives and dies. That's what central planning looks like. That's what it, I mean. There's no there's no argument against this. There's no like, yeah, but no, that's what central planning looks like. Central planning looks like allocating resources a small number of people deciding who gets what. That's what central planning is, and it leads to death. And the free market is letting people decide themselves. If it's very important to you, maybe you pay more for the vaccine. Yeah. Uh, if it's very important this to your is, uh, workforce, maybe you pay for your workforce to get vaccinated because that workforce is on the front lines and very important. Um, Lutra in chat says this is reprehensible. It is. These people are disgusting. Yeah. They're reprehensible racists. They're reprehensible. Like they they are basically deciding. And again, this this is all assuming that you agree with them, that they, they right. these are people who presumably believe that the vaccine is going to save lives and that it's a net positive and that we should all take it. That's what they believe. And then they're saying, let's decide who gets it based on race. Yep. Yep. I mean, I you know. By the way, how that's not eugenics, I don't know. It is eugenics. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. And, and, uh, <sighs> all you people that want daddy or mommy government to do something for you, this is what happens. This is what happens. 
so it's almost uh there's almost no words for that no this is this is just like in the social justice groups i'm in on facebook where they're celebrating cabinet picks by biden based on race and sex and sex who the f cares you know what i'm not here celebrating with you because i'm not a racist yeah <laughs> i'm not yeah. like oh great it you picked someone of this race oh you picked someone of my sex thank you for picking a woman who cares well and, and those people who pretend like they care they don't care because if it were sarah palin or condoleezza rice or ben carson we've already seen what they do they don't actually care they're just liars yeah no i mean they don't as we've said before they use words as manipulation tools not as reference to reality um but i you know i the th the thing to notice here culturally is how casually this is thrown around as unquestionably a good thing uh, in the New York Times, right? This These people say this stuff. Harold Schmidt says this. Proudly. As like, oh, well, they're white, so we shouldn't do it. He doesn't feel any need. Like, he's not worried about how that looks. He's not worried about his colleagues coming after him saying that, isn't that a little bit racist? He's not worried. The like, New York Times isn't worried about printing that. That's the culture we're in. People feel free to talk like that. And you yeah. wonder why some of the radical white supremacist stuff is going to be on the rise. This is why. Because yeah. these kids that don't understand the philosophy behind it and have bought into this uh, horrible idea that, that everything should be viewed in terms of race and they put race glasses on to make decisions about people, they're going to choose their what benefits their own race because they're told that that's... Those are the choices. You either you self-immolate or or you 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 know, you go to be a supremacist. Like th those are the choices they're given. So this is how this is how you further divide people. This is Somebody's, one of the ways you enable this kind of crap and it goes unquestioned. Unquestioned. If you somebody said this on Twitter a while back, if you can if you and you, if you can swap out the races and what you're saying and it suddenly sounds like you're at a KKK rally, what you're saying is effing disgusting and racist. So if it were like Harold Schmidt, an expert in ethics and health policy at the University of Pennsylvania, said that it is reasonable to put essential workers ahead of older adults given their risks and that they are disproportionately white. Quote, older populations are blacker, Dr. Schmidt said. Society is structured in a way that enables black people to live longer. Instead of giving additional health benefits to those who already had more of them, we can start to level the playing field a bit. Yep. Yeah. What? What? So, yeah, I mean, my only point about this is that this is a this is one of those indicators of where we are culturally, that this stuff gets said, gets thrown around in The New York Times and no one cares. No one. And when I say no one cares, obviously we care and people talk about it, but none of the establishment cares. No one care? is. No other like, major publication is criticizing them. No one's going to criticize this guy or the people who wrote this article. Like, no one in government cares. Like, no one cares. No no one in power cares about this. It's just – and it's it's said so casually that it shows you it's so what casual. culture we're in. That's, that's yeah. the culture we're in. This guy, Harold Schmidt. He's yep. still got a job today, I bet. Oh, you can't see that. Uh, but. Yep. There Put he in is. Middle. You can see it. Good old Harold. Let's let old people die because they're white. Yep. Okay. Uh, by the way, anyway. just for the record, if it's not already clear to those who have or maybe new to the show, 
I don't support the government making any of the decisions. I don't know why the government has an ounce of vaccine on their person or, you know, in their possession. Government shouldn't be involved in this. But, hey, that's me. Well, um, and for the record, I'm not taking a vaccine anyway. So, <laughs> right. But, you know, my answer to who gets the vaccine is if it's Pfizer's vaccine, who gets the vaccine is who Pfizer sells it to. That's that's yeah. who gets the vaccine. That's the answer. Uh, that's the answer. Um, yeah. And there you go. But uh, Schmandolf, we're going to do a couple more Super Chats, then we can wrap it up. Okay. Schmandolf says, uh, my ex was a knitter. Wonderful person. Can confirm. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> Thank you, Schmandolf. Mr. Guy. Mr. Guy gives us a Super Chat. Hello, Mr. Guy. And says, ever heard Marshall McLuhan's thoughts? Father of communist studies. Medium is the message. On the media-flooded future swallowing us like the beast and the only way out, a new enlightenment or Christianity. Uh, how do you say that guy's last name? I know who it is. Jonathan Peugeot. Uh, Peugeot. Save me. No, I think it's Peugeot. But Peugeot, anyway, I don't know. I don't know. He covers it. Uh, no, in case you couldn't tell by me butchering this super <laughs> don't chat, know anything about I have it. not yeah. read this. And I will bookmark it because I clearly should. Uh, thank you for the super chat. I think that's it. Oh, wait, there's one more. Stevie LG. Mm-hmm. Stevie LG says, raise cath dot in Appalachia. Now, a- oh, raise Catholic in Appalachia. Now an atheist, but I'm reading Salvation on Sand Mountain. It's looking like my return to orthodoxy is for show going to be fire and brimstone, snake handling Baptist. If you got to get wet. <laughs> You're just going to jump right in. Oh, that's cool, Stevie. Hey, Stevie, you should you should know my for my night of uh, prayers when I had the prayer warriors come to my house. I was making jokes about it to lighten the mood ahead of time that they I hope they were bringing snakes, but they did not. <laughs> uh, let's see. By the way, Nicole Pratt, Nicole, the mountain people says, am I ever going to get my grenade mug? Your mug was shipped with and like what? and people have said they've received theirs in the shipment that yours was sent so uh you should have it um so i'll i'll look actually this weekend and and see if i can track yours specifically but you should have yours by now um uh okay we'll we'll fix that nicole nicole of the mountain people thank you for tuning in (laughs) someone says anthem ayn rand start here you know what my daughter loves anthem uh she read it probably when she was eight or nine um, it's a great little book. It's a fun little, it's a fun little book. So, uh, I just want to say thanks to Nicole of the mountain people for this unsafe space cross stitch over here. And, uh, wait, wait, let me, no one can see it. Hold on. Let me make you full oh. screen. Okay. There, there you go. There. And, uh, if you guys want to join us Sunday, we're doing book club. We are reading, you still have a day to read the book, a day and a half. We're reading uh, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress by Robert Heinlein. It's a sci-fi have you started novels. it? <sighs> Ladies don't answer questions like that. How old are you? How much do you weigh? And have you started the book? Have you started the book? <laughs> Lady never tells. I uh, see. <laughs> I see. Uh, anyway, we'll be reading that. We'll be discussing that on Sunday, and you guys can still join. I know somebody had questions about it. If you go to the book club page, it'll tell you how to join. You basically send an email to us at speak at unsafespace.com. We'll give you the Zoom link. And uh, you don't have to join on camera. If you don't want to, you can just show up in the live chat like today. 
Um, we are also, we have a, a lot of interviews coming out. We're going to be rescheduling the Gary interview. Um, if you want to support us financially, you can go to unsafespace.com to the donate page. You can donate with Bitcoin or you can go, it has a link to our subscribe star. If you become a subscriber, there's a bunch of different levels. You can even subscribe at the dollar level, which gets you into our discord. Um, but if you choose the $25 level or above, you get a fancy little grenade mug. I know some people were asking where to get these. That's where you get it and do all the things you people say to do at the end of videos. What are those things, Carter? Like, and like, subscribe, share, subscribe, do all that stuff, and share, do all that. Stuff. By the way, and um, Mr. Guy and corrects and says, calm was communications or communication, not communism. McLuhan oh. is a famous guy. I guess that's how you say his name was the one pulled out by Woody Allen to make his point in Annie Hall. Oh. Still don't know because I don't like Woody Allen. <laughs> I don't like Woody Allen either, but I did like Annie Hall. I liked didn't it. even watch it. Um, I don't know. The other thing I would say is, like we at the top of the show, if you came in late, we talked about making a list for New Year's Day of all the things that you want to do and pick things that you want to be doing for the rest of the year. And I would say after, I don't know, like after, after having this conversation about some dark, stuff or trying times like look at something you do have control over which is your life and maybe make that list and figure out what you want to be focusing on in the new year yep that's something positive so we will see you on sunday for book club monday for the last kofefi break of the year and we're going to try and do a wednesday show next week that's going to be super casual it'll be a zoom it'll be super casual and we're just going to kind of hang out. We're going to have the whole Unsafe Space team there, so not just me and Carrie. We might even have some guests show up. I'm not sure. And um, we're just going to chill. Be... It's just going to be chill. I'm not, we're, like, we're not even going to be in front of the camera the whole time. We'll be stepping away, doing our things. There'll be people there. It's like it's a party. It's going to be a holiday an party. Unsafe Space holiday extravaganza. Yeah, don't oversell. And <laughs> it's not going to be great at all. There we go. <laughs> It's going to be a boring extravaganza, but there will be people here that you can <laughs> talk to. Um, <laughs> I'm the worst salesperson ever. It's going to be okay. terrible. I hope you don't come. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for bearing with us on the tech side. Next yeah, year, you. the tech will be better. So um, Put that on your list. It. Yes. Okay, bye. All right. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation.
any association with these individuals will be considered an act of willful sedition. Here's a fun fact, Santa Claus may be a myth, but the Federal Reserve is real. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Did you know that medical experimentation on humans can be justified using Hegelian ethics? Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.